Welcome to episode one of the Inclusion Initiative, a Jedi AAEM podcast, a production of the Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion section of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. Each month, this podcast will feature established leaders as well as a diverse group of members in the specialty of emergency medicine. In this episode, Dr. Kimberly Brown, current AAEM at-large board member, speaks with AAEM President Dr. Jonathan Jones. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for taking your time out today and spending time with me. I know what I read in your biography that's on the AAM website, but tell me about yourself in your own words. I don't even know what I'm like. Uh, I should probably ask ask my wife that, but I like to think I value a, a balanced, uh, healthy lifestyle, uh, which includes, you know, work and, and treating our patients and studying and staying mentally sharp, but also relaxing. Um, I'm a, I like to think I'm an easygoing person. Uh, my favorite things to do are, are really just to um, hang out with family, friends, you know, small get together, small groups. Uh, that's, that's where I recharge and, and get energy. Um, I, I obviously have a, uh, I do have a wife. I have one daughter. Uh, she's six. Uh, we're, we're a little old to have a six-year-old, but, but obviously uh, love it. Uh, she is the most important thing uh, to me. So that takes a lot of time and that's a lot of fun. Um, you know, outside of work, the other really, I don't, it's not a passion, but the other thing I do a lot is I, I do run a lot. I know that sounds boring to most people. Um, I don't like working out, but I do like running it. It started just as a way to clear my head. I actually didn't start running till, uh, till med school. Uh, I, I ran about a mile every evening just to forget about gross anatomy and be able to, you know, fall asleep. That, and, and that's literally why I did it. Uh, and then it just, it just progressed. And, uh, now I, I like to run marathons and ultras and stuff like that. And that, that still helps me relax. Um, so speaking of marathons, have you ever run the St. Jude marathon here in Memphis? I have not. I have a lot of friends that have done it. Um, but that's, uh, usually not been on my calendar. Uh, I have a, a race I do usually every year in January. And so, uh, St. Jude's is in December and a lot of times it just doesn't work out, but, I will do it one of these days because it is it is nice and close. And I do have uh, one of my life goals. Uh, there's a thing called the 50 States Club. So you run a marathon in every state. I have checked off Tennessee. Tennessee was actually my very first marathon ever in Nashville. Um, but uh, but I'll, I'll come back to, to Tennessee. Well, we'll be happy to have you because I don't live too far from St. Jude. And then when the marathon happens every year, like the whole side of my city gets shut down because there's people just running all over. So I'll be happy to have you if you want to come by and and run the marathon. (laughs) That sounds wonderful. As long as I don't have to see you in the emergency department. No, you do not have to see me in the emergency department. Um, So tell me a little bit about you growing up. I know you're from Florida um born and raised in Florida and then I think you went to school in Florida too but tell me a little bit more about like I guess growing up as little Jonathan back in the day (laughs) sure so uh I I'm born and raised in Orlando uh where everybody likes to visit but not many people like to live and that's why I don't live there anymore but um (laughs) so yes uh none of no no one in my family's in medicine uh my, my father's an engineer my mom was a first grade school teacher um I have one brother who's uh, four and a half years older than me. He's a psychologist, so I guess he's in, in medicine, uh, but as a psychologist. Uh, I mean, growing up, uh, family was was strong and important. Um, obviously, studying, you know, education was important. Um, I, uh, 
but I didn't really want to be a doctor uh, for a very long time. Um, when I started, I did I did undergrad at the University of Florida in Gainesville. Go Gators! Go Gators! We need a lot of help uh, this year, but yes, go Gators! And yes, my six year old knows how to do that. Um, uh, so I went to University of Florida uh, mainly because I knew I kind of like the science aspect, and at least of the state schools, uh, UF was more of kind of the science uh, engineering type school. I majored in physics uh, because I thought it was interesting. I didn't want to be a physicist, but I, I, I liked it. I found it very, very interesting. Um, and, and so that's what my degree's in. Uh, when I started, my plan was honestly to be a, a teacher. I wanted to teach like high school physics stuff. Uh, I had good experiences with a couple of high school teachers. But uh, I think it was near the end of my freshman or beginning of sophomore year, a lot of my, fr- almost half the people in the dorm were pre-med. I think half the students at UF were pre-med at, at some point. Uh, they convinced me to start volunteering at one of these uh, a free clinic. Uh, again, I wasn't even pre-med. I was nothing, but I just went and kind of hung out to, you know, do some, some help. Uh, and and it, I, it was neat. You know, I loved it. I saw a need. Um, I saw that there were science, but also people interaction. Um, and so I said, hey, let's, let's do the pre-med route. Uh, so I did. Uh, and then, but I, I didn't change my major to biology, anything like that. I did physics. So that was a little, little interesting. Uh, and then I went to med school at the University of South Florida, which is in Tampa, um, uh, uh, which, which is a very good experience. I, I love Tampa. It's a great city. Um, and then, so my whole life up until then, I'd lived every single day other than, you know, travel, but always lived in Florida. And so when it came time to look for residencies, uh, I said to myself, uh, and my fiance at the time, I said, I am not going to rank a single program in Florida. So uh, I, I said, you know, I don't know where I want to end up, but uh, it's time to try something somewhat new. Uh, so that's that's what I did. So, well, that takes me that that's, it's interesting you said that because that actually takes me to my next question. And I know a little bit about what you're going to say, but I think the vast majority of people listening probably don't. So tell me about that change between when you were going into residency and then when you kind of discovered emergency medicine. Sure. So uh, I probably should have said that earlier, but so I decided not to rank anything in Florida. Uh, I also uh, only interviewed and matched internal medicine programs. Um, I was not interested in emergency medicine. And some of that was uh, the med school that I had at that time was just starting an emergency medicine program. There was not a required student rotation. So quite honestly, I did not um, entertain it much. I didn't know much about emergency medicine. I chose internal medicine because uh, I still did not know what I wanted to do. And I figured internal medicine gave you the most options uh, you know, for subspecialization. Uh, I ended up uh, matching uh, the University of Mississippi, Jackson. Um, and in the internal medicine program, uh, I started it uh, and luck, I guess, uh, August of my intern year, I had a rotation in the emergency department. Um, all internal medicine residents rotate in the emergency department. Uh, and, and I loved it. It was just, uh, I, 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 it was amazing. You know, I liked the fact that every patient was different. Uh, the thing I liked most about it uh, really was the, uh, the undifferentiated patient. And that's what I still preach to students and and people I see now. You know, what fascinated me about medicine was figuring out what was wrong. Um, You know, don't take it the wrong way, but fixing people, I mean, while important, 
that's honestly not what excites me. Not saying I don't want to fix anybody, but right, what excites me is figuring out what's wrong. And I don't even think I realized that until I was on my emergency medicine rotation as a resident. So I didn't even realize that as a student. Uh, and when I started to look back and think, you know, what's internal medicine do? What do all the subspecialties do? Pulmonary cardiology, whatnot. I was like, they mainly fix people. You know, they're, they're given a problem and they fix it. And well, obviously, if that didn't exist, we'd all be dying of heart attacks and stuff, you know, but that that doesn't do it for me. You know, I, I don't know what, what word you want. What, what did it for me? What excited me? What made me feel good uh, was figuring out the problem, making that diagnosis. I, I really like that. That's honestly the same for me. When I was a medical student, though, I knew I wanted to do emergency medicine. I had made the switch from OB to wanting to do EM early, but I remember being on my internal medicine rotation and like about to go down to the ED to do an HMP. And I'm just like, well, what are we going to do? The ED already figured out what's wrong with the patient. So right. like, what is there left to do? It was me like enjoying the discovery. So I really like that we kind of have that same um, type of idea. And so then the, you, I agree. And now here, here's the very funny thing. And you're going to say that makes no sense, but most of what goes through my mind doesn't make sense. It was the only difficulty I had in deciding to start with internal medicine was actually OB, which I know is like, what? Uh, I, not general. I really liked uh, maternal fetal medicine. I had a really good experience. I think the physiology of that's just, just amazing. Uh, and for not a long time, but for a brief while, that was actually my plan. I never interviewed for OB programs. I decided that, you know, probably uh, early, early in fourth year before the inter interview process, but that was actually a close second. So I know a lot of people that have been between OB and EM. I don't know what it is. There's something about maybe the procedural connection. I don't know. But and honestly, some of my favorite moments, even as an emergency doctor now, is been delivering babies, unfortunately, in the ED. But still, that is such a rewarding time, um, I think, for a physician to be like the first person to put your hands on a human being as they're entering the world. So I still like that aspect. Do I like the other chaos of what it deals with? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> do I want to follow up the mom all the time? No, but I do enjoy that aspect of it. So maybe maybe there's something there. Well, I remember the last uh, time I delivered a, a baby uh, in the emergency department, which I think none of us look forward to, uh, but you know, I came home and uh, my wife's like, hey, how was your shift? I was like, oh, it was <laughs> it was a busy shift. It was hectic. We had a delivery, you know, and I'm just going through how, how busy and hectic it was. And it took her to say, well, that's that's amazing. You know, and I think sometimes we don't we forget that stuff. We do. We do forget that it's still interesting moments in time and, and just life expectancy or maybe other life things are happening that we see as routine because we see it all the time, but to the vast majority of people, they'll never get a chance to right. see that not at least not from at our perspective. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. Well, let me ask you this. You have been in Mississippi since 2004. That is why correct. You, yes. Why do you stay? Sure. So, uh, so yeah, so I did one year of internal medicine and then three years of emergency medicine, uh, was able to switch. So I, I graduated residency in 2008 um, I did look around, look back to moving to Florida, um, but I really wanted to do academics, um, at, at least initially. I didn't know if I wanted to commit my life to it, but I, I was very excited on it. Um, so I looked at a few academic programs. Uh, I was offered the opportunity to stay at the program I trained at, uh, which, uh, while easy, wasn't really the choice 
you know, why I made it. I, um, it, it was a, it was a family decision, I guess, uh, at the time we had no kids, but my wife and I just said it, it was a good spot. Yeah. Why, why academics? Why were you so passionate about staying in academia? Because I think it goes back way back when I started, uh, you know, college, I, I wanted to be a high school physics teacher. And so that, that teaching aspect, that interacting, um, I know I just said figuring out the diagnosis, that's what kind of excites me and does it, but helping other people do that, you know, seeing someone else go from not being able to do that to being able to do that, that, that was very interesting. Um, and I, I realized through the course of my residency that I, I liked it when I started working with the junior residents, you know, once you progress. Um, so it, it wasn't it wasn't the research that excited me. It wasn't the it was just it was the bedside teaching, I guess. You know, um, I think, honestly, we've all had good bedside teachers and bad bedside teachers and seeing the impact of how some good ones really affected me and realizing that. I would be a pretty horrible doctor if it wasn't for I, I, a lot of people, but honestly, I can probably give you, a, you know, 10 or fewer people that truly impacted my education um, and realizing that, that that's really important. Um, so, so I decided to do that. I love that. But we All stayed right. in, yeah. And then we stayed yeah. in Mississippi just because it's uh, um, for, for anybody that doesn't live here, which is probably almost everybody listening right now. Uh, the state gets a bad rap. Uh, for some legitimate reasons, but it's it's a wonderful place to live. It's very very relaxed, easygoing. Uh, the people are incredibly friendly. Um, it, it's just a, a. I mean, I don't want to sound sound lazy here, but it's an easy place to live. Growing up in Central Florida and and traffic and expenses and long lines. Uh, there's none of that here. Uh, that's nice. Um, and, and then great outdoor activities. And then finally, obviously, what matters a lot is. The, the people in Mississippi, um, they really need some care. Uh, you know, it's not a good thing, but Mississippi probably ranks 50th in almost every health, health outcome. Uh, and while we're not proud of that, um, that's a great reason to serve. You know, it's a great reason to, to work here, so. Absolutely. One thing that I would say that you forgot is the food is amazing in Mississippi. And clearly you have already beaten the code to not gaining the Mississippi weight that sometimes yeah. gets associated with the state because you're a runner. But the food is also super delicious. But um, I do identify since I'm just up the road from you in Memphis, three hours away. I think something that also keeps me here in this in the Mid-South is that you're right. I think that so many of our patient populations really need us, really oh, yeah. need good quality um, care by a trained um, board certified emergency physician. Um, so many of our patients we, we know don't have access to primary care or if they do have access to primary care, it's not being delivered by a trained physician. It's being trained or by um, nurse practitioners or PAs or what have you. So the care is very variable. And that's part of the reason why so many um, health, health outcomes are so negative in the Mid-South. So I agree with you. That's yeah. part of the reason why I still stay and work here too. It, it's very, uh, I mean, it, it it's very rewarding. You know, I, I think most most people that work in places uh, like this do it uh, hopefully out of some aspect of altruism 
Uh, but I'd be lying if I didn't say it also makes you feel good. You know, when you have someone that, that has had poor experiences in the healthcare system or no experience with the healthcare system, and then you were able to do something for them, even if it's something relatively simple, you know, like explaining what diabetes is. It's amazing. People just don't know stuff like that. Uh, it, it makes you go back and realize, you know, long time ago when you first interviewed for med school, uh, you know, what someone say, why do you want to be a doctor? And I think everybody at one point said, well, I want to help people. Right. And that's, yes, that's a cheesy answer, but th hopefully that's true for all of us, you know, and, and I know I said it and, and I think I meant it. And so I get to see most days. Yeah, I, I do mean it. it. It does feel great to help somebody. Uh, and there's definitely a lot of opportunity here. Yes. So I think that brings me to, I guess, how you became even a member of AEM. Let's kind of talk about more specifically our organization. So with all the passion that you have for education and serving patients and being um, very accessible, how did you become a member of AEM? Uh, so I, I became a member uh, because the other thing I have passion about is, is autonomy. Uh, obviously, patient autonomy is important, but, but physician autonomy. Um, when I was a resident, I was not an AAM member. My program wasn't uh, big on AAM. They weren't anti-AAM. It was just, honestly, for the first couple of years of residency, I didn't even know AAM existed. Embarrassed to admit that, but that's the truth. Um, I was an EMRA member because they paid for it um, and an ASAP member because they paid for it. Um, and it wasn't until I was getting ready to, to look into leaving. So I, I guess a senior resident, I know I said I wanted to do academics, but yes, I did look at non-academic jobs. You, know, you needed to see what was out there. And at that time, the only non-CMG job in central Mississippi, there was one, there was one hospital that had, it was great, but amazingly they weren't hiring because they didn't need to, they had, you know, and so looking, uh, once I, I didn't even know what a CMG was, but I started, you know, look at these companies and, and I remember I went to interview with one and I interviewed with, with a medical director, the group's lawyer, and then like the, the business administrator. Wait, what? Said, yes. It was very odd. I said, wait, I have three interviews and I only met one doctor. This is, this is weird. Um, honestly, Hold on a minute. That, is this, is this CMG's name redacted or can I, can we share the name of that CMG? Uh, we should probably keep it redacted. I don't know okay. legal consequences. You can okay. <laughs> PM me later or whatever, but, uh, I, yeah. And, and it was just, it's just very odd. And so I, that was really my first experience with what even a CMG is, uh, and why are they in healthcare? And so I started thinking, I, and I, I went to the website, I started looking, I said, Hey, there's an organization that cares about this stuff. Um, and so as faculty, I was assistant program director. And then I saw that AEM did residency visits. And I said, we'd never had a residency visit. I said, hey, you said y'all come and visit us. So we got, uh, um, we ended up having several, but we had some of the past president of AEM come give a talk, got excited. It was great to meet people. Um, and so that's really the way that I first got introduced into it was um, realizing that you know, I don't want to join a group where the lawyer and business administrator are going to tell me how to practice. Like, honestly, I don't really want the medical director to tell me how to practice, but I can deal with that, right? Especially as a new grad. Okay, fine, you, you know, whatever. But like, it, it's just, I, it threw me for a loop. And I said, that something's wrong here. And someone's got to also agree with me that something's wrong. And I found out that AM agrees. Wow. Yeah, I, that's not been my experience ever. I'm sure that I would have had a 
similar, if not even more <laughs> negative reaction to an attorney um, interviewing me to be a physician. That is extremely odd. So um, I guess since you've been a member of AEM since when? Since what year? Uh, so 2005, I think. I don't even remember, to be honest with you. Um, it was either four or five because it was right when I was graduating uh, residency. Okay. Um, so tell me some of the favorite things that you've done in the organization or some of your favorite memories about your service in AAM so far. So, Before you uh, got into the presidency. You can't talk about presidency yet. No, no, that's uh, probably not my favorite part by far. Um, but I uh, was getting to know uh, people going to the conference, I think. So, so a couple of things that I remember um, was uh, I went to a scientific assembly in uh, San Diego, um, mainly because I had never been to San Diego and heard it was a nice city. Um, and I went and just, it, it was a different type of conference. I'd, I'd been to ASAP, I'd been to SAM. Um, they're good for what they do. I, I have nothing, okay, I'm not gonna say anything bad about either of them. Uh, I enjoyed that time, but, but AM just had a different feel for it. Um, the people seemed uh, more, genuine, less concerned about networking and things. And not to say that that's not important. We need a network. And I hope AAM helps our members network. But when I went to some of the other conferences, it seemed that was the only, they were there to party, drink and network. Um, and there's nothing wrong with some of that, but that's not what I wanted the primary uh, focus to be. And at least at the conference in San Diego, people seemed welcoming, uh, more friendly, and not friendly because, hey, maybe I can hire you or get a job with you. It was just like, hey, who, who are you? What can I do? Where, you know, uh, it was just a different environment. People were there to talk, talk about problems where they work, solutions on how to fix it. They were there to get a quality education. Um, it, it, they were there for a different reason uh, and, and than the other conferences. At least that was my opinion. And, and that reason was to, to, to enjoy each other's company, to learn from each other, to help each other. Um, and I'd never been to a conference like that. So that was probably one of my favorite memories of AAM. Even to this day, even though I've been to countless scientific assemblies, I, I remember the first one more than any. Um, the other experience I had that, that was uh, very uh, useful was uh, I, when I joined, uh, I, I was a YPS member, I joined the YPS board, um, seeing the, some of the excitement from the young members, excuse me, at that time I was young as well. That, um, that was uh, interesting, but it made me want to do more. It made me realize that, uh, you know, this was kind of just the beginning. And then, so the next thing I did after that, not to give a litany, but I, uh, I, I still remember, and I've, I've said this at stuff so people might've heard, but I, I read Common Sense. I love reading Common Sense. I like that it was not a scientific journal. You know, I like that it, it, had, it had some science, you know, but it, it, it had news stories, it had commentary. And I saw a little blurb that said they, they wanted an assistant editor. And so I said, you know, okay, I kind of like writing, you know, let me do stuff. So I, you know, wrote in thinking, look, I'm this, I'm this new guy. I, I haven't really done much. You know, I don't deserve any positions. I've never served as it, but I was like, you know what? If you don't offer your services, if you don't try to get involved, you, you won't. Uh, so, you know, I just wrote in and then kind of ignored it. Um, later did I realize that no one else offered their services. So uh, I was selected to be the assistant editor um, out of desperation possibly, but it was very interesting. Like I, it, it was work. Editing is not always fun and easy. But, but seeing this, the, the, you could almost feel the passion that when someone was writing stuff, and now sometimes the more passion they had made it harder to edit, 
Uh, but you know, it was so I really enjoyed that job. It, it sometimes it was very boring work figuring out where to put the comma in the right place, but but generally it was very exciting work seeing the passion that people would write in uh, to Common Sense. So that was another really big, um, I guess, moment in my AM experience. I love that. One thing that you said that I resonated with is my first um, scientific assembly was also in San Diego. I believe it was 2017. Um, but I'm still friends with a lot of people that I met at that same scientific assembly. Actually, one of your former um, residents, um, Dr. Fred Kinsey, is one of my really good friends now because I met him at SA and became involved because of that, what you're saying, that kind of small family, almost like a family reunion type of environment where it is easier to get to know people, to have meaningful conversations, to do things, explore the city together, um, and just to get to know each other in a different way than, like you said, other organizations may have the ability to provide. So yeah, I, that's one of the reasons why I think that I continue to come, continued to come back to AAM because of that value of just knowing that, oh, I'm gonna see this person, I'm gonna see that person, I've texted that person, you know, I we all know that we're going and we're all gonna hang out. And that's really um what I think makes AEM special too. So I think that's cool that you think the same way. So if I, I can share just another small anecdote at that San Diego meeting, uh one of my current uh best friends I, I met there, didn't know you said you met friends. Uh we were leaving for lunch break. I didn't want to eat at the hotel, right? You know, so I'm I'm a foodie. I like to find stuff. So I'm standing at a street corner with my phone open, looking at Yelp, or I don't even think it was, it was some other app before then trying to figure out where a good restaurant is. And I look and there's a guy standing next to me that all, has the same app open looking for restaurants. And so I was like, Hey, you're at the conference. He's like, yeah, I'm trying to find somewhere good to eat. And then we both pulled up a Thai restaurant that was like, you know, a quarter mile away. Uh, we ended up going and eating there. Uh, and that was Rob Lamb, who, who's, uh, you know, now on the board of directors as well. We never met each other. We met because we both wanted something good to eat, you know, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's been a good relationship. So food yeah. is always a good way to bring people together. Always. Um, OK, so let's talk about. So you've had all these amazing experiences going to SA, meeting Robert Lamb, eating Thai food together, all that cool stuff. So tell me about the decision that you made to decide to run for president of this illustrious organization? Well, it's a long decision in coming and, and, a, and a difficult decision. Um, so obviously I was on the board um, for, for several years and realized uh, that just, I, I truly really cared about this organization. And while I was on the board of directors for AM, I was also still uh, not embarrassed to admit this and it's out that I was still involved in ASAP uh, I was actually an ASAP counselor for the state of Mississippi, mainly, again, because we have so few physicians that no one else wanted to do it, um, because I believe in organized medicine. I believe that we can do more together than we can do alone. So I, I, I didn't want to choose at that time one organization over the other. I, I wanted to give efforts to, to every organization that I felt could make a positive impact, even if I didn't like some of the stuff they did. If they could make a positive impact, I wanted to do my part to it. Um, but as the time went on, as, a, as an at-large board member for AAM, as a counselor for ASAP, I really saw the organizations diverging a little bit. Um, and I saw the priorities. And I said, you know, the, the one organization that really, I think, cares about me as an individual physician uh, 
is AAM. And it's not that I want, I guess I want to go back a little. AAM's number one priority is the patient. But the way we view how the patient can best be served is by saying, let's make sure you have quality physicians who are free to do exactly what they want to do without any outside influence. And so sometimes that gets turned around and I even hear people say, oh, you know, does AM only care about the docs and not the patients? No, it couldn't be further from the truth. But the best patient care is provided by a properly trained doctor who then has the autonomy to do whatever he or she wants to do. So anyways, going back, I was serving both. I saw that AAM was the truly cared about the physician. They had that, that philosophy that I, I couldn't agree with more. Um, and uh, so I, I just I basically made a decision that I wanted to commit all of my professional uh, effort uh, to this one organization. Um, so I decided to run for secretary treasurer, kind of in uh, possibly lining up a, a further run on the executive board. Um, I thought a lot about it, talked to my family, said, you know, this is potentially a multi-year commitment. You know, do we really care about it? Um, and uh, also at that time, I was looking to leave academics uh, around that time for a couple of reasons. And uh, again, I rely a lot on my wife. She's not in medicine, but she says, you know, you need something other than the, the actual clinical direct patient care. As, as great as that is, she saw and she's like, you need something else. You need to do something else. And if and if you're going to leave academics, then then please commit to something else. She's like, we need it. We need to get you occupied. Um, and so, honestly, that was the encouragement I needed to say, okay, I'll I'll you know double down and commit to the organization. Um, I did not have some okay. I have a new mission for us, or or here's the one thing I want to accomplish: a secretary, treasurer, or president. I, I've never had that, and I I, I still kind of don't. Um, I. I fell in love with this organization because of what it stood for. And I wanna make sure that we are in a firm, stronger position to provide that for every future physician, emergency physician, uh, as the organization was there for me. I wanna make sure that we're stronger to care for even more physicians, to care for more patients. And so that's why I decided to run. I know you said you don't have any different goals or different mission than what we've already solidified as an organization. But I wanna challenge you to think about something, this question. Um, 50 years down the road, when your daughter is an emergency physician and she's practicing and she's you know doing all of the things that she wants to do in her life or um, a, a physician 50 years from now looks back and looks at your time as AEM president, how do you want to be remembered? How do you want your presidency to be remembered? It was a time when the organization uh, grew, not necessarily by numbers, although while I want it to grow by numbers, by involvement. Um, we have thousands of members that don't do anything. Um, and I view that as a, as a failure on me. Uh, not on a failure of those members. And to truly do what we say we want to do, it doesn't take a president, it doesn't take a board of directors, it doesn't take a few committed committee chairs. It takes all, all of us. So looking back, I would, I would love if we saw, wow, the percent of members that served on committees, the percent of members that 
held leadership roles at some institution, the percent of members that ran for a board position, the percent of members that wrote a letter to Congress. In some sense, I don't care what they do, but I want to give the tools. I want to make this organization, uh, I want to make it easier for our members uh, to do more. I want to make sure our members know why they can, why they should. Um, I want to I want to welcome our members to do as much as they want. Um, and, and sometimes people do a lot one year and then another year, family reasons, they do less. Fine, that's great. But I want to make it easier and more obvious on why all of our members uh, need to be involved. So. I guess I have another question and related to that. So clearly this is the Jedi podcast. One, one thing I have not said anything about is justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion using those words specifically. But... How would you say that that goal or that mission of yours while you're president to get more members involved, how do you view that maybe with also a Jedi lens or how do those two in your head um, maybe play together? I I think they're almost uh, perfectly matched together. Um, When we look at, I mean, I'm saying getting more people involved as is obvious for many years, most people, when they said, I want to get people involved, they maybe only thought about certain people, right? You know, men, white people, whatnot. Um, we need everybody. Uh, so I think the creation of Jedi as a section uh, to, I, I, I love the name of it, not just because of Star Wars or anything, but the justice part of it. And, you know, that all has a different, we can define it differently. Um, I don't even know if Jedi has an official definition of it, but um, to me, that implies uh, you know, fairness that implies realizing that we truly do need everybody. Um, that and, and so that's where I see the the mission of what I said, getting you know involved and, and energizing and engaging members, and then the Jedi mission of representing the diversity of our academy. Um, I, I think I think those go together very well. So I think it's making that conscious effort. It's not just saying I want more people involved. It's finding finding people, identifying people, going up to someone random at, at a AMSA and saying, hey, what, you know, what are your interests? Let me show you to the right person. And then making a point of making sure that you're reaching out to, to all groups, to all comers, to, to everybody. That's dope. Um, okay. Is there anything else you want to share with me? Um, I, I don't think so. I think we, we covered quite a bit. I, I, I love AM because it, it like I, I said, I told you why I love it and why I fell in love with it. Um, I'm excited. I think we're, we're growing in the right direction. I love the fact that we have uh, several new committees and sections and Jetta for being such a new section has already done tremendous things. It's probably the most active. Don't, don't take anything from the other sections. Yeah, okay. Um, and and uh, it, it's just seeing the excitement uh, is, is amazing. And then what I, I really love um, was, um, again, thinking back to this last year's scientific assembly, which was uh, a little odd, still coming out of COVID, but how just excited everybody was. Again, I can't say it enough, how welcoming I felt uh, at AAM. Uh, and I want to make sure that everybody uh, continues to feel that way. And I think Jedi plays a very important role in that, um, uh, just kind of atmos- creating that atmosphere that, you know, th- this academy um, is, is here for you. Um, and, and so I, I, I love what Jedi is doing. Uh, I love what AAM is doing. And I, I hope I'm helping in some way. 
You most certainly are. Thank you so much for sitting down for this interview. Well, conversation. I don't want to call it an interview, but before we go, is there ways that people want to ask you questions, follow up with you, um, have if they want to share any ideas that they have for the organization, how can they reach you? So uh, I would love to hear from everybody. Uh, and, and I do mean that. Um, so I've uh, previously shared my, my personal cell phone uh, and email uh, in in common sense. And I was told that's a really bad idea. But uh, anyways, um, so uh, call me, text me, uh, email me. Um, I we I don't know if we can do a follow up uh, to put my information, uh, but I'll give you my phone number. Um, uh, 601-421-1033. Text me something. My email, jsjonesmd at gmail.com. Uh, or if you can't remember any of that, president at aam.com. Now that'll change in a year and a half to someone else. But uh, I, just contact me about anything. I love talking to, to, to people. I mean, I won't even say I love talking to AEM members. I, I love talking to, to people that are excited and passionate, that have ideas. Um, the more ideas that are thrown out, the more ones are going to stick, right? You know, um, so uh, I, I, I truly mean it when I say I really want to get to know everybody. I want everybody to feel involved, engaged. Um, I, I want this to be a very personable organization. Um, so uh, give me a call, shoot me a text. Um, and uh, shoot me an email and, and let's chat. And then find me at AAM, find, find me at SA in New Orleans uh, this year. You know, I'll, yeah. You're gonna we'll, be throwing we'll, beads on a balcony? Cool, <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Awesome, thank you so much, Jonathan. I super appreciate your time. All right, thank you too. Thanks for doing this and uh, see y'all soon. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast from the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. AAEM is a nonprofit professional association of over 8,000 emergency physicians dedicated to board certification and democratic group practice. For more information about AAEM, visit our website at www.aaem.org. Find all episodes of this podcast and our other podcast series on the AAEM website under resources and then publications.